Let's pray together. Father, as we read your word, Spirit of God, just blow in the midst of us. Blow away the cobwebs of our lives. Blow just your presence into us today. Lord, these are not just words. This is life. And bring life to us. Don't just teach us, but transform us today. Lord, we want to go out changed from the way we came in today, having met with you. We want to be like Joshua and, and Moses going to the tent of meeting, that, that we're in your presence and that we just don't want to be anywhere else. Spirit of God, use these words and transform them into life as we share together now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We've been looking in Mark's gospel at, well, we're going through Mark, but Mark asked this one question. Really, who is Jesus Christ? And this comes where they're in that boat, remember, and uh, they're on the sea, and Jesus stands up, commands the wind and the waves, calm, still, and they are completely calm and still, and the disciples look at one another and they said, who, who is this guy? Like, who is he? And Mark starts with the answer, doesn't he? He said, this is Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then the rest of Mark's gospel unpacks what that really means. What does it mean to be the Messiah, the Son of God? And we see it as we go through the pages. And Mark really says Jesus is the one who has authority. Authority over every different area of, of life. Kind of carries on, although Mark was written first, it carries on from the word that Matthew finishes with. Then Jesus said to them, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. And Mark really shows us that Jesus has the authority in every area of life. In everything that we face, we know that Jesus has authority. That Jesus is the one. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And because he is the Son of God, he has authority over absolutely everything. There is nothing that we face in life where Jesus doesn't have authority over it. Amen? Amen. And so we looked at already that Jesus has authority in two different areas. Firstly, he has authority over temptation. He went out into the wilderness and Satan came and tried to tempt him away from the pathway that was God's pathway. And Jesus said, no. I'm going to do what the Father wants me to do. I'm going to go the right way. And even though Adam and Eve fell right at the start and they were tempted and, and went away, the Son of God is not Adam and Eve. The Son of God is different and the Son of God has authority over the temptation. But then we looked last week also that Jesus has authority not just over the temptation, not just gives us help when we are tempted, but he has authority over the source of the temptation, which is the evil one himself. And we looked last week that Jesus went into a synagogue and there was a man in the synagogue that had an evil spirit within him and Jesus said, come out. And that spirit has no alternative but to come out of that man because Jesus has authority not just over the temptation but over the source of the temptation over the evil that tempts us and wants to ruin our lives and wants to take us away from the pathway that God has for us. Today we're going to look at the next, very next passage in Mark's Gospel. He's still there just after he leaves the synagogue. And today it shows us that Jesus has authority over the physical realm, over healing. 
that Jesus is the great healer of the people. Let's read it together from Mark 1.29. It says this, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with fever. And in the Greek, the fever is like a really serious high fever, not just she was feeling a bit poorly. This means that she was seriously, seriously ill. Her temperature was off the scale and they were worried for her life, right? She was in bed with fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. Now, it's after sunset because then the Sabbath is over, right? And you can't do healing on the Sabbath, can you? Breaks the law, right? Jesus got into trouble because he went into the synagogue and cast out demons. You can't do that on the Sabbath. You're supposed to wait. So the people were still worried and a bit tied up in their traditions. So they waited till Sabbath was over in case Jesus did actually do something. And then he, they brought them to, to Jesus, all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Amen for his reading today. Jesus has authority over healing. Amen? Now, there is so much confusion when we talk about healing in the Bible. So many different people will stand up and tell you so many different things about healing of Jesus Christ, right? You go to one person and they'll tell you one thing. You go to another person and they'll tell you another thing. I want to try and unpack it a little bit today. The first thing that we can say when we try and understand the healing ministry of Jesus is this. Firstly, that Jesus expects you and me to carry on in his ministry, which includes healing. In John 14, Jesus said these words, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Very truly I tell you, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus didn't just want to be the only one that did healing. What did he do when he got the 12 together and he sent them out, or the 72 and he sent them out? He said, I'm giving you the same authority to go and heal the sick, cast out demons, and tell people that the kingdom of God is come. All authority has been given to me. Now go, go do the same things that I've been doing. And we see that throughout the pages of the New Testament. It wasn't just Jesus doing the healing. He he gave the power to his disciples to carry on the ministry that he was doing. And we see that through Acts of the Apostles, right? Through Peter and through, through, uh, through Paul and many others. And we see it through the history of the church from that time up till today where God uses people, men and women of God, to be those that continue that healing ministry. So God expects... You and me to do it. This passage carries on. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In my name means when you're doing the things that I'm asking you to do. As though I was there doing it, that's doing it in my name. If you do that, then you will have the same results. You will do what I'm doing. You can do it. You ask, 
and it will be given to you. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So Christ expects us, you and me, to carry on his healing ministry, right? Do you agree with that? Yes? Good. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. There is no set pattern to follow. Now this is where it gets complex, right? It would be awesome if Christ gave us five steps to automatic healing, right? John's feeling a bit under the weather, so I follow the five steps that Jesus gave me and boom, immediate healing. It doesn't work that way, sadly, right? It would be fantastic if it was, but it's not. And that's why it gets complex. There is no set pattern. You just look at the healing ministry of Jesus himself. How did Jesus heal people? Words. Sometimes he spoke the word. Do you remember the centurion who came that had his son that was sick or his servant that was sick? And he stood there and, and he go, oh no, no, Jesus, you don't have to come. Just say the word and it will be done. He said, I say the word and people obey me. You say the word, it's going to sort it. And he went, whoa, I've never seen faith like this. He said, okay, it's done for you. He wasn't even anywhere near the guy, but he did it through the centurions, right? And his servant was healed. He just said the word. What other ways? Touch. We just read, didn't we, that he went to Simon's mother-in-law and he helped her up. He touched her and he lifted her out of bed. And he touched. Lepers, he touched. And we said that before, because his cleanliness was greater than their uncleanliness and he made them clean, right? He touched them. How else? I mean, there's touch, there's word, there's mud. Sometimes he made a little mud pile in the ground and he went, here, John, and he slapped it on him and he said, be healed. Bit unorthodox, right? Sometimes he spat and he wiped his saliva on them. I wouldn't recommend that if I were you, but that's what he did, right? And he said, that's the way to do it. Sometimes he just leaks power. Do you remember the woman with the bleeding? And she comes up and she just says, if I just touch a hem, no, 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 just touch a hem of his garment, just a sleeve, I'm going to be healed. And, that's it. and he was leaking power and he went, who touched me? And they were going, oh, what are you talking about who touched you? Everybody's crowding around. Do you remember? And that's how she was healed. There is no set pattern, set system to follow. I wish there was, but there isn't. So what does... What did Jesus do? How did he know what to do in every particular case? How did he know where mud was needed and where a command was needed and where spit was needed and where touch was needed? How did he know? Well, in the very next passage after this, in Mark 1.35, it says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. The only way that Jesus knew was because he could hear his father telling him what to do, right? Jesus knew what to do in every instant because the father, he was in constant communication with the father and the father said, Jesus, do this, and he just did it. Jesus, in this case, do this, and he did it. Do you remember the story of Lazarus when he dies? And, and they call him, and Mary and Martha come and say, come quick, come quick, he's, he's just, you know, he's, he's ill, he's ill. And then they hear that he's dead. I've, he waits for four days. And why? The word says he waited because he knew that the Father was going to raise him up. 
He already knew. Why? Because he listened to what the father told him. He said, this, this, is for you. this is so that you understand what's going on here. Right? That's, that's why it's going to happen. He could have gone straight away. But he went, no, 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 it's not, it's not the will of God. The will of God in this case is just to leave it for four days until you think he's dead, dead. Right? After three days, they, they reckon that the spirit, this was the Jewish understanding, that the spirit stays with the body for three days and in the, in the third day it, it leaves. And so after four days, like the body is dead but the spirit is gone. There's nothing left of the individual. And so when Jesus said, hey, come out, they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa this, this messes all our theology up, let alone anything else, right? How, how does this work? But Jesus knew because he was in that communication with the Father. And we need to be the same. So first of all, as we go back, we, we look at that there's no five steps, but we look at the fact that it's something that Jesus is asking you and me to do. But the key to it is this. Healing occurs when faith is present. Say it. Healing occurs when faith is present. It seems to me as I read through the pages of Scripture, as I read through the Bible, this is true in every case. It's about the faith that is present which gives the healing, that is, allows the healing to happen. Now, we have to unpack that a little bit. Sometimes the faith is in the one seeking the healing. Right, let me, let me demonstrate. Do you, do you guys want to come up here? Make you work here. All right, John, come out here. Right. Okay. Jenny, can you come up? It's all right. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Trinity, former Trinity. Perfect. Remember this? Right? You're Jesus. Jesus, you're connected, right? I mean, you're not Jesus. Okay, you're not Jesus. Let me, let me rephrase that because this is Jesus, right? No, you're the Father, the Son. This is Jesus, right? You are Jesus' servant, right? You're his daughter, the woman of God. And because you're the woman of God, woman of God you're connected to the Trinity, right? So connect yourself to the Trinity in relationship. Connect. No, you don't break in. You don't become part of the Trinity. The Trinity doesn't break up for you. You join like that, right? I am the person that needs healing. Now, if you're going to be a flow, a channel of God's power through you into me, what do you have to do? Jenny, what do you got to do if I'm going to receive the power of God that's flowing from you, from the Trinity, through you and into me? What do you have to do? You have to grab hold of me, right? Take my hand. I washed it earlier. Right? That's how it works. Do you remember this? Yeah? Can you see? Right, now, so the power of God, the healing presence of God, which is generated within the Trinity, is flowing through Jenny and into me. Now, if I don't believe that God can heal me, what happens? It's not going to get anywhere, right? I put a barrier up right here in this connection. So if I don't believe, even though Jenny believes and the power is pulsating through Jenny's body right now, I can feel it, right? From the Trinity, I'm not going to receive it because I've put up a barrier to receive it. 
Because God won't go against your will, right? He says, I'm gonna, I love you enough to give you the freedom to decide. So we have to, the one who is being healed needs to have the belief, the faith that you can heal, that God's going to heal. In the very next passage in 2.11, this is the story where the, the four friends let the guy through the roof. Do you remember that story? The paralytic, he's on his mat. They can't get in the house, so they rip a hole through the roof. You imagine it? At least it wasn't this high. And let, let him down on ropes precariously to the feet of Jesus. What did Jesus say to him? He said in verse 11, I tell you, pick up your mat, get up and walk. Now the guy who was there, I'm the paralytic, right? The guy who's there, he's connected, he's connected to Jesus. If he doesn't believe, what, what happens? He goes, nah, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I know you're a godly woman and all that, but it's not happening, right? I'm just going to stay here on my mat. He had to do what? Have the faith to believe what Jesus was saying so that he would get up, pick up his mat and walk out. Jesus, when he was in the passage that we read, what did he do? He touched her hand and he helped her up. She had to have the faith to follow his touch and to get up, right? People who came to Jesus, they came, heal me. They had the faith, right? The woman with the bleeding had the faith that if she just touched the hem of the woman of God's garment or Jesus' garment, she would be healed, right? There needed to be the faith in the person being healed, all right? At least an openness to receive the healing power of God. If we, if we don't have that, stay there a minute. I'm just getting my. If we don't have that, then the power is going to get blocked from bringing us the healing that God desires to give, right? That's number one. Number two, the channel of healing, that's Jenny right now, has to believe as well, right? Now, that wasn't a problem for Jesus, but it's sometimes a problem for you and me, isn't it? Because what happens if Jenny doesn't believe? Well, if Jenny doesn't believe, the power gets no further than here, right? It stays within the Trinity. It doesn't flow through her. So I might believe, oh, Jenny, please heal me, heal me, heal me. But if Jenny doesn't believe that God's going to use her to heal, to, to allow the power to flow through her, it's never going to get to me. Yeah? Do you understand? Chapter 9, verse 18 and 19, Jesus is... Um, this is where the boy with the father and the boy has these fits and he comes to Jesus and the father says like, he has a demon inside of him. And he first goes to the, the disciples. And then they, the disciples can't cast the demon out. And so he finally comes to Jesus and Jesus casts the demon out. And that's the bit where he says, uh, I believe but help my unbelief. Do you remember that story? And then afterwards, the disciples, which is this bit, said, like, why, why couldn't we do it? And he says, this one only comes out with kind of prayer and fasting. Right? You didn't have the faith. He said, oh, you unbelieving generation. They didn't have the faith in that moment for some reason to be able to do it. They were supposed to be the channels of healing, but their faith dried up. 
And so they couldn't do it. So they had to come to Jesus, right? And so it needs to be in the channel. But thirdly, it has to be in the people present. When Jesus was in, this is in, uh, in 2, 5, uh, sorry, in 6, 5 and 6. This is where Jesus went to his hometown. And it says he didn't perform very many miracles at all because of their lack of faith. You want to know why we don't see the power of God in many churches? I think it's because of this. It's not because of their lack of love for God, but it's their lack of faith that God's going to do something. I mean, honestly, when you came today, do you expect God to do something in the service? How many of us came with an expectation that we would see the power of God at work in the service this morning? Right? A few of us maybe, but most of us just come because we want to come and sing praises to God and fellowship and all good things and to learn from his word. But we don't come with that expectation that God is going to do something amazing in the service today. And actually, not only is he going to do something amazing, he may use me to be the channel, may use Jenny to be the channel, may use Sis to be the channel through which God is going to do the amazing things. Do we come with that openness that says, you know what, I'm coming today because I feel connected. I'm connected already to God, so I don't come to get connected. I'm connected all the time. I'm going to come today because I believe that God may use me to be the channel through which he wants to do something in the service. How awesome would that be? You know why healing meetings are successful? Because of this. Because people come with an expectation that God is going to do something. Right? They come either because they have a need and say, God, please, may I be the one that gets healed. Or they come with friends who believe that God is going to do something. Or they come because the person up the front believes that God's going to do something. And there's a whole team of people praying for God to do something. Now that should be the local church. Right? It's a disgrace that it's not the local church, to be quite honest. That is what the local church should be. We shouldn't have healing meetings in central London. Because it should be happening week by week in the local church. Sorry, thank you, by the way. You're up here way too long. Thank you so much. But that's, that's what the local church, that's what God wants to happen in the local church, isn't it? Is it? Yes. We shouldn't have to spend our money and go to some fancy guy or fancy woman in central London and get healing. It should be happening week by week, day by day in the local church because we come with an expectation that God is going to do something through all of us. Not just through the man or the woman of God up the front. God did not say, I'm going to choose Pastor David to be my sole agent of the Spirit of God in Trinity Church, did he? No. What did he say? All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go, all of you, go. I'm going to give you the authority. I'm going to give you the power. That's where I think like Pentecostal churches sometimes get it wrong because it's all in one person. You go to the man of God. You go to the woman of God. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we all have it. It's been given to every single one of us who believe in Jesus Christ. 
Jesus didn't say, I'm going to choose you and you and you out of the disciples to go. No, he grabbed 72 and said, go. He grabbed people and just said, all of you, go and do it. None of you are more special than anyone else. No, just go. You all have the same authority and the same power. Right? And it's the same today. The question is, do we have the faith? Do you have the faith in yourself? Do you have the faith if you're the one that needs the healing? And do we collectively have the faith that when we come to church week by week, this is why we're coming? We're coming to see the power and the presence of God manifested in our presence. And maybe it's through me today. Because I'm here and I'm waiting and I'm ready. Right? Why do we come worship? We come worship just to sing praises and get back in, just in more in tune with God. And Lord, that's just like our solitary place, isn't it? Where we just connect even more and deeper with God. Now, use me, God. Right? Too often we just come and we sit and we go, right, let's, let's hear Pastor David preach. And yeah, that was a good one. Well, that one, he was off today. Right? And then we go off and have our tea and coffee afterwards. And that's Sunday. I mean, that's a rubbish Sunday, isn't it? Honestly. I don't want to be doing that, do you? I'd much rather come and say, like, let's just allow the Spirit of God to have His way amongst us and let's just see what happens. Let's just see what God does. Let's let Him flow through us into one another. Let's see the power of God and the presence of God manifested amongst us. That's church. That's what He wants to do through you and me. Understand. And while I'm on this, don't ever, 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 if you pray for someone's healing, I pray for John's healing, right? This I've seen this so often. I pray for John's healing. John doesn't get healed. It must be his fault. I've seen that so often in people. Don't ever, ever do that. It may be his fault not fault, but it may be because of his lack of belief. It may be because of my lack of faith and I'm not in the right place for God to be the right channel or it may be in the people that are around us. Who cares? Don't ever point the finger, right? You'll just cause judgment on yourself if you do that. Don't do it. I've heard it so often. And don't, if you are asking for healing, believe it's because of your lack of faith either. The other way around. I know people that have gone to meetings and they're saying, Lord, please heal me. And they come out the same way that they went in. We'll look at that in a minute. But don't ever think of yourself as not having the, you know, it's because of me. There's something wrong in my life, which is why God's not healing me. It doesn't work that way. Let's move on. Faith is key, right? Faith is key. Every time you see a healing ministry, the healing that goes through Jesus Christ or through the believers, faith is the key. We'll come back to that. But remember that. So why, why is it that God doesn't always heal? Here it said he healed many. Right? The whole town came and he healed many. It doesn't say he healed everybody. He didn't, Jesus didn't go around the whole of Galilee and the whole of Israel healing everybody so that the hospitals were empty. Right? Why not? Well, sometimes, as we just said, because it's a lack of faith. Lack of faith in the individual, lack of faith in the recipient, lack of faith in the people around that causes it.
But more than that, it's because sometimes it's contrary to his will. Now, got to be careful here. God wants above anything else relationship with you, right? Intimacy with you. John 10.10 says what? I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance, right? That is Jesus Christ's aim. He said, I've come that you can have abundant life. Now, what is abundant life? Well, Jesus answered his very own question in John 17, 3. Now, this is eternal or abundant life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's what Jesus said. So Jesus' aim is relationship, right? Understand? That's why he's come. He wants you to go deep, 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 deep in him. That's his aim. That's what the Spirit of God is working for. That you have an intimacy with the Father that you can hear the words of the Father just like Jesus. That you have an intimacy that you know the thoughts of Jesus, that you know the thoughts of the Father, that, you, that you're connected so close, just like Jenny was connected to the Godhead, that we have that so strong, so deep, so wide, that the power and the presence of God flows through us. That's what God works for. That's what he wants for you. He says that the way to that is how? James 1. Debbie might remember this from a certain wedding she was at a year ago. We had it there. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because your trial produces perseverance and your perseverance produces maturity. Right? When are you best on your knees before God? On the beach or in the struggle? Struggle, right? When are you most open to God? In the struggle. I wish it wasn't true, don't you? But it's true, right? God, please listen to me. When, when you feel like your prayers are going no further than the ceiling and you're there and you're pouring out your heart to God God please, God I need work I can see my savings going down God where are you, where are you, where are you God I need, I need I'm struggling in this relationship God where are you, where are you what does God do when you're on your knees he goes oh good news they're on their knees they're open. I can deepen this relationship. I can, I can, they're giving me access to the Spirit of God now. Because you're desperate, right? You're desperate. And so God loves those moments where you come in because those moments where you go through those trials are the moments where you draw closer and closer to Him. True? So why would he remove it? You know, sometimes when we get physical sickness, where, what does it do to us? Puts us on our knees. Right? Lord, I'm struggling with this. Now, I'm not saying that God loves us to be like that, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that it's a place where God can work. And his aim is not for our physical wholeness and well-being more than a 
our spiritual wholeness and well-being, right? And so sometimes, sometimes God uses it to grow that intimacy. Sometimes it serves a greater purpose. Paul said this. He said, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Sometimes God brings it for reason, for purpose. I don't get it completely, but he does, right? Just as he did for Paul. Because there's a reason to have it. So sometimes God doesn't heal because it's contrary to his will at that moment to heal you, right? He just says, you know what? I can get you further by, by the struggle than I can just by removing every single barrier from your life. So I'm going to let you struggle for a bit because I can use it. Third thing, we're not going to go into this timing. Sometimes he, he is going to heal you, but it's just not now. It's not in the perfect timing of God. Sometimes I guess he likes, wants us to go through that maturing process so that once we become mature, then it's the right moment. And he said, okay, now I can remove it from you. You've learned what you need to learn in this. Now I'll keep going. And sometimes it's just a mystery. Sometimes I just don't know. We don't know. So let's just admit we don't know. God's ways are not our ways. And sometimes we just don't see the picture, the whole picture of God and what he's doing. And we just have to say, you know what? I just see dimly. He sees fully. I don't know. Can't make it out. We don't understand, but we still have to be obedient. But let's look at how then. How do we pray for healing? Firstly, ask God. Jesus went and he prayed on his own. Go and ask God. God, do you want this person healed? God, do you want me healed? God, what is your will in this? Ask, what, what is his desire? There's no point praying contrary to the desire of God, is there? Just a waste of a prayer, right? Ask Him. Ask and you will receive, right? Ask Him, Lord, what do you want to happen in this occasion? I don't mind, I don't understand why, but ask Him anyway. What is it you want to happen? And I always work on this principle. Sometimes He tells me. Sometimes He says, no, I'm not going to heal that person. Then pray for comfort, pray for strength, pray for endurance, pray for them to learn whatever lesson that God has to teach them while they're struggling. Pray that you will be a brother or a sister that can support them and bear their burdens in the struggle. Right? Pray like that. Sometimes God says, yes, that now is the moment. You're the channel, now pray. In which case, praise the Lord. Right? And I pray. And I see what God does. And sometimes... God just, it's a blank. I don't hear a yes or a no. I just hear a nothing. So I say, God, like, what do you want to do? Nothing. So then I think it's like, well, then I'm going to pray how I want to pray. 
Because if you haven't told me, I'm not liable to mess it up. That's how I look at it, honestly. Because God can speak to you clearly, can't he? Yes? If he so chooses. He can send an angel down. He can write it on a wall. He's done it before. He can do it again. So if he doesn't tell you clearly, then pray whatever your spirit tells you to pray, right? But pray with conviction, with passion. Secondly, you pray because you need to check your own motivation too. Am I doing this from love? Pure love? Or am I going to pray for... I'm just picking on John because he's at the front. But Am I going to pray for John's healing because it makes me look good? And maybe the church will expand rapidly if word gets out on the street that John suddenly got healed. And, you know, and all these mixed emotions come in. Let's be honest about it, right? I've seen it so many, maybe it's going to boost my ego and my pride and all these things, you know. We need to be careful. We need to say, like, like David said in the Psalms, search me and know me, O God, know my inmost thoughts and remove anything from me that is not of your way, right? Teach me in the way everlasting. I want to do this because I love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, strength and mind and I love my neighbor as myself. That's my motivation. And if it's not, we say, Lord, show me. Because I, I don't want to do this for any other reason, right? Search my heart. Make sure there's no offensive way within me. Check your motivation. Secondly, you've got to have faith, right? We've talked about this. Faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we don't see. What do I mean by that? Firstly, you have to have the confidence in the power of God to bring healing. And secondly, you have to be, have the assurance that God is going to do it. You know what I do? I picture that person who I'm praying for whole. Right? Let's say, okay, I'm going to use myself. Let's say I've got cancer. Right? Picture me cancer free. What would I be like, cancer-free? Picture it. Visualize it. Put it in your head so that you can see my beautiful face and my beautiful body, cancer-free. I'm there. You're picturing me running a half marathon next Sunday instead of my wife, right? Because I'm cancer-free. That's what you do. That is having confidence and assurance. You picture in your mind, not a dream, but a reality, a vision of what is, what can be with the power of God, right? Picture it. Picture the change. Picture what it looks like. See it. See it. That's faith. See it. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So see it. See it as you pray. When I pray for people, that's what I do. If they've got a back problem, I pray that God, you will just straighten that back right up now and you will heal that. And I see it. I see it even though I don't understand it. I see it whole when I pray for it. Do the same. Have faith. Listen to what God says and follow the instructions, right? If he tells you to go and do something crazy, go do something crazy, right? He's telling you what to do, so just do it. Sometimes he's just say, pray. Sometimes lay hands on them. Sometimes... Always ask before you lay hands on somebody. Is it okay if I put my hand in, right? But just do it. Do what he's telling you to do. Sometimes you stay over them. Sometimes you get down on the floor. Whatever he's telling you to do, just do it. 
He knows. Don't ask why he knows. You don't need to understand it. Fourthly, you command the healing. Jesus does not ever, ever, ever ask the Father, oh, please, God, would you heal this person? He commanded the healing. He said to the woman, took her by the hand, get up. Said to the guy on the mat, get up and walk. Said to the wind and the waves, command. You command the healing. Why? 1 John 4, 4 says, he that is in us, Right? If you are connected, you are Jesus Christ in that moment. Right? It's as though you're Jesus standing there, you're praying in his name, you command, you have the same power and authority that Jesus Christ had over everything. So you command that body to be well. You command that sickness to go. In the same way you command the evil spirits to leave. You command it. Not, oh God, if this is your will, please, please. That's no faith, right? That's not seeing it. You have faith, so you command it into being. Because you have the power of God in you. Right? Because he's given it to you. Amen? Are you with me? Nearly finished. And lastly, there you go. Lastly, praise God. Praise him regardless. Thank him regardless because you don't know what he's done for starters. Right? Even if you don't see what you want to see, what you're picturing, you don't know what he's done in that moment. So thank him. Thank him that he's working. Thank him that this is part of the process. Thank him that he knows better. Thank him for who he is. The result of what Jesus did was always there was amazement and awe and praise. So praise God. Because this does not affect who God is, right? God is God. Whether he heals us or he doesn't heal us. Whether it's part of the, the mystery or part of the unmystery bit. He is still God, so we still offer him praise and thanksgiving. Because that's who he is. Right? So what about you? Do you have faith? Do you? I said this is what church should be. So why don't we start it being church today? Why don't you get in the groups then? Right now and pray for one another. You can pray for healing for yourself with other people. Ask them to pray for you to be that channel into your life right now. You can reveal to them whatever you want to reveal. You can pray for someone else. Right? I believe God wants to show us what he can do. Show us who we are supposed to be. Do you believe that you have the faith within you to be a channel of God's grace into other people? Do you? You know, it's easy for us to sit there and say yes, isn't it? You know, it's so easy for me to go, yep, because I know that's the right answer that Pastor David wants. Yep. And then I say, okay, go do it. And it's like, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. You're asking me to get out of the boat and walk on the water here. But you know, until we do that, we're never going to be the church that God wants us to be. We're never going to be that. This church will not have a pastor that stands up the front and says to you, come to the front, come to the front and let me lay hands on you. I'm not going to do that, right? I don't see that as biblical. 
The Bible says you should be laying hands on one another. Good. Thank you. At least there's one person here that agrees with me. Right? You have it within you. Hands up if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you're connected. Right. So all of you have it within you. You've got to believe it. And don't believe it because I'm saying it. Believe it because the Word of God, which does not ever lie, says it. The Spirit of God says it. The Trinity says it. It's in you. All you have to do is get out of the boat and start using it. So let's get into groups. You can ask for prayer for yourself. You can ask for prayer for someone else like the centurion and say, I've got a friend and you can be their advocate right now and do what the Word of God says to do. Make sure your own motivation is right. Make sure it's what God really wants as much as you can. Have faith. There is faith here. Enough faith in this room right now, in this church, in this sanctuary to see what God wants to do. Listen to what he says. Command it. Don't ask God for it. Command it. We command healing in the name of Jesus Christ. You command it, whatever it is, be specific. Command it. And then praise God. Let's do that.